Hello and welcome to this episode of the Impact Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about well-being. The world of work and the world outside of work have become increasingly busy over the past five to ten years, and especially in the current climate. Individuals and organisations are under increasing pressure to deliver more in less time and with fewer resources. What we are seeing is that there's an increasing focus on resilience and well-being in the workplace, as the statistics show a rise in reported absence at work from stress, anxiety and depression. So today I am joined by Stuart Kelly, who is almost a doctor. Are you, Stuart? <laughs> almost a doctor. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, almost a doctor. I've been doing this uh, old PhD for the past uh, over three years now, but due to COVID-19, <laughs> I don't think I'll be uh, getting my certificate anytime soon or graduating anytime soon. So I'm going to be called nearly a doctor, Kelly, for the next uh, year at least, probably. So uh, you can call me that on this, no bother. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be a fully-fledged doctor before you know it. So just to give a little bit about your background, you are a PhD researcher and learning ROI analyst, and you've been working with Impact for a few years now. A lot of your research has involved psychology, stress, performance, etc., and how that research can be used to develop leaders in organisations. So I would really like to talk to you today about well-being and how we can look after ourselves and each other uh, when we need it most. Not necessarily specifically to, to the current times that we find ourselves in. First of all, what, what do you do personally to, 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 to manage your well-being? So we'll ask a question. Personally, at the moment, being in the situation that we are in, uh, a lot of it is actually just thinking about what can I do day to day and little habits that I kind of make for myself that are healthy to basically get myself uh, emotionally better, uh, more physically better, um, probably thinking about society. How can I actually help uh, in my local community is one way of doing it. And also sort of thinking about my well-being in the workplace, uh, even if you're not physically in the workplace right now. Um so I would say those are the kind of key things that I've been doing to kind of focus on. And if that's getting up in the morning, going for a, a run, if that's taking five minutes uh, break in between my work schedule, uh, when I can, I'm using that space to, to actually not think about work. If it's actually just staring out the window, as I do quite often, even if people would normally in the office look at me going, why are you staring out the window doing nothing? It's actually for a purpose, because uh, the, the great thing about staring out the window is when we think about nothing, uh, we actually recover. <laughs> Our brain lets us recover when we do nothing. Uh, so when we go to the phone, uh, instead for our break or check that YouTube clip or check that bit of social media we need, it's not actually helping us at all. So staring out the window has been what I've been doing quite a lot uh, lately. Uh, that's quite interesting because I do a lot of looking at that YouTube clip or getting distracted from other things, thinking that it's beneficial. It's giving me a little break from from what I'm doing, but actually... I'd be better off staring out the window. That so that's really interesting. We use the term well-being quite a lot, and we hear it a lot uh, across multiple platforms. Can you break it down for me? What does it actually mean? Yeah, so well-being I would describe as sort of the experience of being healthy, being happy, um, having a purpose. You know, it's having good mental health, good life satisfaction, a bit of a sense of meaning and the ability to be able to manage the stressors and pressures that go on in daily life. It's not about enduring those things. It's about being you at your best in a positive mindset, 
just going back to some of your previous work, one of the things that uh, I've been really interested in seeing you do is your work around stress. Could you just elaborate on that and, and, and tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so a lot of my research uh, that I do is looking at stress levels, uh, specifically looking at stress levels sort of within leaders of large organisations. Um, as you sort of alluded to, what I'm really interested in looking at is people's cortisol levels. So cortisol is the stress hormone. So this is released when we perceive a threat to our normal sort of daily routine. Um, let's say, for example, that work deadline that comes in last minute we get this really lovely instant shot of cortisol uh, firing through us. And we also get a bit of adrenaline going. Um, and what we're interested in is when that that drug, so to speak, that hormone is constant, when we're constantly stressed um, and what we call chronic stress. Because actually a little bit of stress here and there is really good for performance. It actually allows us to get our body and our mind in gear to actually do something and perform well it's when that's too much uh, when we have that over a sustained amount of time that causes us to crash to burn out to have horrible negative you know sort of health effects and especially performance so your job satisfaction will go down your productivity will go down so what i was really interested in was funnily enough uh, taking hair samples from senior leaders in one of the organizations we work with at impact and what it allows me to do in hair would you believe, is measure your stress levels for up to three months. So what we can do is, from a lovely little bit of hair, is almost like a tree timeline of, of looking at your stress. And what we can see is that for every centimetre of hair from the root upwards uh, is about, one's, what, about one month worth of uh, stress data. And we can look at how stressed you are throughout that time period, which is a bit of a new way of doing things. It's quite contemporary, so that's hence I was exploring it. And we found some pretty astonishing results uh, by looking at that and comparing what people perceive their stresses for, for example, writing down on a questionnaire, like scale from one to five, how stressed am I? It's actually quite accurate how we feel when we write down the questionnaire compared to actually what our biological data is. What I was thinking throughout is that it'll be fascinating to, I don't know how you do this, but ima imagine if you had the capability to, to three months from now measure senior leaders' uh, stress levels from this period, because I would imagine it's through the roof for a lot of people, understandably so. And so, yeah, I w it would just be fascinating to, to see how the effects of one of the biggest issues that the world has ever faced, certainly in the business world, what would be really beneficial is to, to learn the ways to sort of manage those in these high pressure situations. Do you have any sort of advice on that? The funny thing about what we're going through currently is that when we respond really highly to stressful situations, it's normally when there's a lot of unknowns going on in whatever our kind of environment or our, our our kind of place of work is um, when there's a lot of uncontrollability when we can't control what's going on um, and we feel like we lose a bit of that uh, ourselves it's going to make us a lot more stressful and it's also it's a whole new world at the moment where <laughs> there's nobody who's experienced this before who can give you advice as to what it's like to deal with this well people have been put in isolation but the fact is it's by choice even though we get told it's the fact that we have our own space and we have the sort of freedom of movement in our own kind of uh, houses or our gardens still to use so the kind of top tips i have for for just highlighting those things are structure number one thing structure 
think about what are you doing on a day-to-day basis right now while you're sort of maybe stuck in your house or even if you're not, if, if this is in the future that we're talking a bit more, think about what kind of structures you put in place daily and how do they help or hinder you uh, as a human being. So I'm just going to use an example of we have a kind of structure that we do every day if I, if I go to work. I get up in the morning at a reasonable hour, I have some breakfast, I relax and do what I need to do to sort of prepare my mind for the day. I then normally commute and commute is normally a bit stressful with traffic, but it's also time for ourselves to just think and we're not actually actively working at that point in time. But what this allows us to do is this free time allows us to get straight into work and probably have our mind a bit more ready for things and allows us to you know, get a good few hours of actual solid productivity before lunch. It's taking really regular breaks in between. We shouldn't be staring at a screen for more than an hour at a time. So every hour, it's probably useful to just set an alarm on your phone uh, to just sort of give you a nudge to stand up, take that five minutes just to sort of unwind, compress and reflect on maybe what you've just been doing or what you need to do in the future. Um, and it's the same for the rest of the day. Just take those breaks. Make sure you don't eat your lunch at your desk like everybody seems to do at the moment because we, we always perceive we're a lot more busy than we are. So I really stress that you find a space that's not your work area to eat your lunch at. And for however long that is needed, please do that because it makes a huge amount of difference to what you're doing at your workspace and separating your kind of social area to help you sort of restore your cognitive resources. And then sort of lastly, at the end of the day, we normally commute back. We kind of work ends at that time when you leave the workplace. Probably for some of you right now, that routine sounds a bit different. Normally what happens like myself at the moment, I'm waking up, I'm eating my breakfast at my workplace, I'm working all hours, I eat my lunch at my desk and I don't have a time that I clock off because I don't have that physical space that I leave to go then say, oh, I'm finished work. So I end up putting in a bit more effort, so to speak, and a bit more work at this point in time because I don't have that concept. I can't see what other people are doing. There's almost a bit of that shared, right, this is us finished, where if I can see that people are still online, that we're working, it feels like I need to as well. And that really affects our stress because we constantly are on demand and we're constantly thinking, I need to be doing things and I need to be busy. It's impact over busyness. Think about the impact that you can make every single day and structure your day around what that is. And that can be making sure you do not switch tasks constantly. Think about what is it you need to achieve in that day. And it's almost as creating a tick box exercise because actually when we accomplish small things, we get this lovely release of serotonin, which is the sort of feel good drug. And what we do is we get a bit of a high off of you know achieving something, even if it's small, those small wins add up over time. Whereas if we're juggling plates, if we're kind of trying to make everything go at once, all it does is kind of overload us and makes us even more stressed. So think about what one thing do I need to achieve that day? Just keep it as simple as that. What one thing can I achieve today that I will leave work thinking, yes, I've done it. And yes, there's going to be distractions. Yes, you're going to be interrupted. There's going to be extra things, but really make sure you kind of focus on that one thing. So impact over being busy is a kind of a key one. I've got plenty more, Dan, if you want me to keep going. Um, <laughs> that's No, that's brilliant. There's already plenty to take from that. Because, I, I, I mean, I, I every time I do these interviews, I, I listen to these people and go, right, I relate that back to, to my own working practices. And, yes, I have been eating my lunch at my desk. And 
uh, what I have done, I have to try to do though, is is to get out for at least one form of exercise a day. I think if we're not doing that, then we're missing an opportunity, um, especially in the countries that still allow that at this current time. One thing that strikes me is that I wonder if people truly recognise if they're not being at their best, especially if they're in the thick of it. To let into a little bit of a story here, I ended up um, going to the doctors and being told that I was suffering from a bit of anxiety. Uh, I didn't know that I had anxiety at the time. I thought I was ill with something else. So uh, it obviously got to a point with me that uh, I then needed to to seek medical help. This was a, a couple of years ago. Um, and so from there, it's been this journey of sort of a bit of self-discovery, a bit of trying to find ways of managing that anxiety and uh, and and taking a, a deeper look into what well-being means and 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 how to improve if improve it if that's the right way of, di- of saying it. So yeah, I think for me a, a key point is actually identifying when you're not at your best, when you're not being your best self, uh, and and working on ways to to try and change that. So I think once we've identified whether we need to to make some changes, it's then actually going out and making those changes. One thing I did was try to get on my bike more. I knew that I was getting better when I was able to exercise, uh, and that made a world of difference. But I guess if it were, you've got to do whatever works for you, haven't you? Yeah, you've got to find out what's what's best for you. And if we think about world class Olympic athletes, for example. The amount of training they put in, we always imagine it's all about the training that they do that's what makes them successful. Actually, what makes them really successful is how smart they train. And what comes with that is recovery. So what they do in to recover quicker so they can get back to training, so they can overload those muscles that they need to, uh, is the kind of more key thing uh, to actually be thinking about. So it's what do you do to help you recover, to perform better the next day? And what's going to keep you continuously and sustainably perform better? If you don't recover, your brain won't get the chance to sort of restart and reset. And all you're going to be doing is overloading things for yourself over time. And it's going to just cause you to completely and utterly burn out. And it will affect so many other kind of aspects of your life, your relationships. It'll affect the actual work that you produce. So think about what is it you can do to recover? And that can be anything from exercise. It can be just a bit of mindfulness. It could be doing anything from yoga to knitting. Just something that's distracting you away from doing work that's a healthy exercise, so to speak. So obviously at the moment, we're not everybody is able to exercise, or at least not able to exercise outdoors. What are you seeing around the world of creative ways of making sure we're physically well? I think there's some really cool initiatives that I've been seeing, um, certainly online mostly, of what people are doing to sort of make sure that they are physically active. So one thing that I've been seeing is that a lot of people are offering free personal training sessions. There's a lot of kind of like classes on different ways to exercise that are available for you um, for free on different platforms such as YouTube that people can just tap in to and use as much as possible. The whole point of exercise is to help you get active, to help you raise your heart rate to a level that basically allows your body to feel better. It'll, it'll rush, give you a bit of a rush of endorphins. It'll help your, your muscles feel better and stronger. It'll help your mind feel a lot better by releasing a lot of oxygen into your brain. Find what is the best way for you to move and be active and also get that heart rate up as much as possible. So for example, I have a bit of a silly routine of in the morning, 
I get up and I start doing some yoga, which I never thought I would ever be doing in my life. I still can't touch my knees, let alone my toes. So <laughs> it's been a really good one of actually getting my mind ready for the day as well. It's not just the physical, it's what the physical does for the mental as well. And actually we feel a bit more su- supported if we do things like uh, join an online class with other people being on it as well. And what this does is creates a sense of togetherness with them. And what that sense of togetherness does is gives us this positivity, this absolutely brilliant thing called uh, social support that we feel that we're actually part of something bigger than ourselves. And we feel less isolated because of this. Um, So there's a huge amount of tremendous uh, research and benefits to actually let's work out together. uh, Let's do exercise together uh, and make sure that that connection's there as well. I think you're absolutely right. And I think the the that aspect the humans are social animals, right? So we we benefit from interacting with other humans. The the very fact that we're going through this now is quite beneficial because of the internet and we've we've got so much resource available to us. If it means reaching out to somebody you don't normally reach out to, just speak to them, have a conversation with them, ask them how their day's been. We have the benefit now of we all share something in common. You know, we can all start the conversation because we have had an experience of COVID-19. So we've got the perfect conversation starter, the perfect icebreaker that we can talk to anyone, any human in the world that's been in some way affected by COVID-19. We have the ability to talk to them. So I think that's really beneficial to people in either a leadership position or even just anybody in a working environment that we can reach out to people in our network we can reach out to people who we don't normally speak to you're you're hitting the nail on the head here dan of of what we do now in the short term will have huge amount of beneficial long-term effects it's actually allowing us to really think about our own well-being more than ever and people are reacting in totally different ways to this but we're all in this together is kind of as you're sort of mentioning so one thing that's been particularly interesting is talking about relationships and how relationships are so key to, to helping us manage our stress. What, what other tips do you have around keeping great relationships to help manage stress? I'd say the number one thing is, is being able to share what's going on in your world as much as possible. Uh, and by that, what I mean is by telling people what's going on for you and how you're feeling, what the emotions are at the moment, and it actually allows us to reduce our own stress levels. And it gives us a feeling that we are actually more supported. So think about this in the workplace. If we just talk about the kind of cliches we talk about, you know, what's the weather? You know, oh, how's you getting on? You know, kind of just subtly really ask, you know, what's your world looking like right now? How are you actually getting on? And when we answer that question, the best thing to do is be open and honest about that. Because what it does is it allows us to get off our chest what is really going on in our world and it allows the person that's listening to really map out what your world actually is and by mapping out your world to other people it allows them to understand what your needs are and how can they actually help but the key can also just be listening it's not about jumping in and offering support the key thing is really listening to what is going on for them it's not waiting for a gap when they're talking to jump in it's not about giving quick advice that's you know off the cuff it's about really understanding what is going on for people at this point in time in their lives and then giving the support. And if that's just going, it's okay, I'm here if you need to talk more. That's all you need to do. It's not about being an expert. It's not about being a counsellor. It's about actually just being there and being present with somebody 
when they're actually sharing things with you. And that makes a huge difference to people's lives and for the person offering support. The great research actually is about the person that's listening. When you actually listen to somebody else talking about stressful situations, it actually makes you feel less stressed because you understand what other people's worlds are going on. And it makes a huge difference by by doing this in the long term. So more sharing, all it's going to do is benefit both of you. It's not just one party that's getting the benefits out of this. It's everyone. Stuart, thank you very much. It's been amazing talking to you today. And uh, I really encourage people to take a look at how they're doing right now, really assess uh, whether they need to make any changes to to make their daily lives a bit that bit easier. Uh, and I think there's been loads of stuff in this episode that um, r- that they can j- make one small change now to make far bigger changes in the future. Stuart, thank you very much. Have a lovely day and uh, I'll speak to you very soon. Same to you, Dan. It's been a pleasure being on this and being able to share some of the research that I've been doing and, and others as well that have contributed to it, just so people get a real good idea and it's not just pop psychology that it's backed by science hopefully that people get something out of this yeah absolutely well-being is not just about helping individuals to manage uh, the increased pressures of today's work environment it's also about organizations looking at their own working culture and environments so at impact we work with organizations to help them scan disrupt and create in order to develop high performance environments that are great places to work so if you want to find out more about what we can do to help your organization in this space check out our website at impactinternational.com follow us on social media and take a look at our blog for loads more brilliant content so until the next time thanks for listening (laughs) 